Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. I don't know about you, but I've often thought it would be great to have some kind of documentation of what Jesus was like growing up. Did he keep his room clean? Was he a picky eater? Did he ever break a bone? Did he have good manners? Did he have big feet? Did he have a favorite game to play or a best childhood friend? I wonder, was there someone like our own Cookie Cantwell or Jane Rippey who facilitated youth events for Jesus and his friends at a first-century equivalent of Starbucks? Can you imagine such a place? We don't know. In fact, in all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are only four chapters that describe the first 30 years of Jesus' life on earth. Those same Gospels have a combined 85 chapters that deal with the last three and a half years of his life. 29 of those cover the final week of Jesus here on earth. 13 of those chapters deal with the last 24-hour period. So while it would be cool to get more than a peek at the little baby Jesus in the manger, that's a quote from a film, Talladega Nights, it would be awesome to have more than a story or two about teenage Jesus in the temple. We don't know. What might be the takeaway is that the grand finale of the good news, the Gospels, wasn't Jesus, the fun kid. It wasn't his miracles. It wasn't the shining example of humanity he was as a young adult. All of that is wonderful to think about and informs who he was. But it was his last week, his death on the cross, and of course, his resurrection that deserves, rightly, our focus And in our gospel today, we are almost there. We are in the last town before Jerusalem, Jericho. The city of Jericho sits almost 800 feet below sea level, with the Jordan River on one side and about 3,600 feet of elevation in front of it. The road to Jerusalem, 15 miles of steep hills and valleys. It's a tough hike. It would be like us here in our cozy, balmy, fun city by the river with a 15-mile-long trail in front of us that brings us all the way up to the elevation of Boone, North Carolina. And our text says today that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. But I want to take us back just a few verses, back to the end of chapter 18 when Jesus was approaching Jericho. Do you remember that blind beggar sitting near the gates? the one who was told Jesus was coming, the one who cried out to him, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Even when he was told to be quiet, he yells louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Why son of David? Well, remember, David was considered Israel's greatest king. He reigned a millennia before Jesus, and that was the golden age. The nation of Israel had political independence, prestige, peace. So calling Jesus son of David really put the pressure on to pin those nostalgic hopes and aspirations of this downtrodden, vulnerable population 
on Jesus. What do you want, said Jesus. I want to see, he replied, and with the words, receive your sight, your faith has healed you, it is done. And this man follows Jesus. He follows Jesus into the city along with the others, praising God. So now today we are in chapter 19, verse 1. Lots of people are with Jesus. More follow in his wake. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief chief tax collector and was rich. Now, to be clear, Zacchaeus is rich because he's a chief tax collector. By now, we are all experts in how popular and adored those tax collectors were among that nation. Not. The Roman machine had taken Jewish citizens like Zacchaeus and set them up to be rich, to be hated by their fellow Jewish citizens. There was no tax structure Just a number set by Rome. Collect this much, and anything on top of that number is what the tax collector could pocket. You can see what a nightmare of abuse this created. So Zacchaeus is rich, but he is also short in stature. I looked this up. In Jesus' day, the average stature for men was five feet tall. So that puts our rich and despised friend well below that grand height. Of course, no one is letting him get a front row seat to see Jesus. He's probably lucky not to be squashed or trampled. So Zacchaeus climbs a sycamore tree, which is a beefy, hardy kind of tree with low spreading branches that you can climb. And the branches can hold the weight of a short man with gold in his pockets. And he watches. I think it's important to note that he doesn't cry out, Jesus, son of David, He doesn't try to turn around on the branch and get a a selfie with Jesus in the background. He doesn't make any demands on Jesus at all. In fact, I think it's kind of cool that this guy was courageous enough to brave the crowd, curious enough to climb the tree, all because, as our text says, he was trying to see who Jesus was. Well, he's about to find out. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up at him and said, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. Now, this is the only time in all of Scripture where we find Jesus inviting himself over to someone else's house. Jesus never lacks for an invitation, but this is the only time we see him saying, make way, I'm coming over to your place. Can you imagine that happening to you? You're just kind of watching someone who you think you might admire, and then all of a sudden they look at you and invite themselves over? Wouldn't that be kind of crazy? Jennifer and I talked about this. We agreed that if Jesus invited himself same day to our house, she would probably flip out. Flip out wondering what to make, and importantly, which plates to serve it on. If the timing was right, I might wonder if Jesus would mind watching the game with dinner. But Zacchaeus, it says, hurried down and was happy to welcome him. That is so great. Come on over, Jesus. Let's have some company, a conversation, a relationship, maybe a burger. But now we get to it. This is what we hear. All who saw it began to grumble. They began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of one who was a sinner. All who saw it? Who is that? Do you remember that beggar that Jesus just healed in the last chapter? 
I'll bet he was there with them since it says he followed Jesus. Maybe all of those people who saw that miracle, they are there as well. There's a whole host of people who got peeved because Jesus, well, Jesus loves this short, rich guy just as much as he loved that beggar. He loved him even though Zacchaeus didn't cry out to him. He loved him even though he was a sinner. And all the rest of those folks who, by the way, are sinners as well, they don't like it. It turns out that believers, new believers, even unbelievers alike, get their noses out of joint at times because Jesus loves everyone. But look, Jesus doesn't really care what the crowd thinks. He's doing his father's work. He isn't going to kowtow to the whim of the crowd. I wonder if you've ever noticed in your life when you're doing your best, doing your best to do a work for the Lord, not for your ego, not for your glory, but for God's glory, that there is usually someone who might grumble or malign you or criticize you or decide they are hurt by the truth of your work. You got to get to that place of peace that we see in our gospel today. Jesus is going to love all people, no matter if the people don't love him back, even after he has shown grace and mercy and healing. I think Zacchaeus saw it though. He heard the muttering, but his focus stayed on Jesus. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Now, according to the law of Moses, the law of Moses, a fourfold reparation payment is way overkill. If someone came clean about defrauding someone, the repayment was only 20% of the original worth. That's in the law of Moses. But fourfold? That was reserved only for when lives were ruined, when something was irreparably harmed. That's what Zacchaeus offered, above and beyond what he owed. I want you to hear this. Zacchaeus didn't say those words to earn salvation. He said them from a changed heart, simply as a statement that demonstrated salvation. Today, salvation has come to this house. That's the response from Jesus We are all of us beggars, and we are all rich. And even the tallest person is short in stature. At some point, in Romans chapter 3, Paul puts it this way, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And here Jesus is showing it to us again today on his way up the mountain to Jerusalem. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. How sweet the sound. Amen.